0: Live from the studio at Miami University St. Joseph's Chapel. Um, We're excited today because we have a guest here, Father Eddie Hoffman. Father Eddie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Johnny. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you? uh, Did you? You were just telling me you and Father Jacob were in Jamaica at a certain point. That's right. Yeah, Spring,
1: (laughs) spring break, seminary, spring break trip. But it's not what you think. (laughs) uh, (laughs) so father jacob organized the trip when he was uh deacon jacob that's right and uh, it was excellent it was really good uh with missionaries of the poor that's right missionaries of the poor yeah Yeah. mops
0: wow any highlights from the trip uh maybe early morning prayer
2: (laughs) yeah so we what came up in conversation earlier was funny so johnny was talking about this praise and worship thing that he went to this morning and uh we're just saying you now it's kind of early in the morning sometimes, you know, for praise and worship. And uh I was just pounding out on the, the table here, the uh some of the beats because yeah, the brothers, the missionaries of the poor, they're amazing. But, yeah, I don't know what time prayer it. It was, like five thirty, six thirty. Yeah, yeah. And we'd start morning prayer, like, God come to my assistance, Lord, my case to help me. And then, then the drums you know, go <laughs> like right away, like Yeah, or something and uh Right into it. So wow. in Jamaica, like you know, other countries, it seems like people listen to like various kinds of music, often like American music or British music. But in Jamaica, I feel like it's all just Jamaican music. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. all they do. Wow. Yeah, I can yeah. see. And, uh, where
0: yeah. you learned how to drum, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Over there. <laughs> yeah. I was always Bob one. Marley over here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
2: But yeah, the brothers are awesome. The brother's are awesome. That's great. Yeah. That's the first time I really encountered like third world country.
1: Before. yeah it's, they're yeah, great. yeah it's they're kind of like uh, the charism of mother Teresa but yeah. with like I don't know really dope music <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Chinese their founders like Chinese Jamaican and he loves music he's written like plays and all kinds of stuff so they throw all yeah. about the music and yeah right. And right cool
0: well I might have to go there for spring break one of these one of these maybe go. this year this year oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Uh, yeah that would be cool. Yeah. Well, check that out. Michael, unfortunately, is not with us today. He is turning 21, actually, this weekend. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, and he's he's out of town with his cousins. and uh, So Party. we'll pray for him today. That's and right. uh, yeah, do we want to, Father, Would you, either Father, I guess, would you want to start us in a prayer, Father Hoffman, maybe?
1: Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created. You shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that we may be ever truly wise and rejoice in his consolations through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Father and the Son and the and Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, Father Hoffman. Uh, I think there's two Father Hoffmans in the diocese. That's that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so just to clarify, this is the younger. That's right, yeah, younger. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so
1: just like James the greater and James the less. it <laughs> you will
0: know, be Father Hoffman the less. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm the youngest brother too, so hey, it's uh, <laughs> I sometimes that's the greater, you know. You know? Yeah, 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 right. Just because young doesn't coordinate. Right. I think it was Tim who said, uh, St. Tim, or, don't let people look down on no, you because your you're your age. Youth, that's right, yeah. St. Yeah. Right.
1: Timothy,
0: yeah. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, Father, it, uh, would you mind sharing your story? I think, uh, so... Topic today uh, is really about like the family, and as you grow in your faith, uh, sometimes there's struggles that come with um, the family. It's kind of fitting yesterday, the gospel, uh, Jesus yeah. saying, uh, I came to set the world on fire, how I wish you were already blazing, and the truth, how it sometimes divides between father and son, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, Right. and uh, kind of just the radical um, realities of that when going all in in your faith. Right. Um, so would you mind just sharing your story background real quick? Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it, it really started uh, as Johnny mentioned, it, it starts with, uh, with the other father Hoffman, uh, who's, he's, he's an oratorian, which is kind of like a religious, so he goes by his first name, Father Henry. And, uh, so, so he converted when, and was received into the church in college. And then a couple years later, uh, I followed suit. And uh, so that anyway, my story kind of goes back to his story. And it happened, uh, my conversion happened in part because of the change I saw take place in my brother, uh, now Father Henry, uh, when he converted. Um, So when he went to college, you know, just in college, a lot of things about us change, um, you know, for the better or for the worse, you know, (laughs) and sometimes kind of both simultaneously. And it's hard to sort out. You know, in the midst of it, you know, which is better and which is worse. So there's just a lot of changes going on, right. you know. And and so college was uh, for Father Henry and I, when he went to college, it, at first it was kind of like this painful separation because we had been, uh, you know, homeschooled together and grew up together and like he was just a couple years older so I was like taking some of the same subjects that he was you know because mom was like why would I teach it twice when I could teach it once (laughs) so (laughs) so we were really close you know and so then when he went to college there was that that kind of natural kind of break Mm -hmm. you know Uh, which so I think that's part of the what's important to remember amidst all of this is that just those things happen, you know, just even without taking the faith into account, you know. Um, And then, um, so he kind of went through this whole conversion journey, which ended up with him becoming Catholic. Uh, But what I noticed when he uh, returned home uh, for Thanksgiving break, when he kind of told us all that he was going to become Catholic, was a remarkable change in the way he talked and in how often he prayed so he was uh just he was praying all of the time and that was something new and you know he had been changing a lot previous to this but the prayer all the time was like you know took me took me aback you know and then um the way he talked you know like there was clearly a kind of fire that had been lit inside of him uh with uh, of love for the church uh love for our lady uh love for the lord and i didn't understand many of those things but that that was what really kind of intrigued me, you know, yeah. cause here was this guy that I had known all my life or thought I had known all my life, you know, who, who came back, you know, a couple of months after I'd seen him last, like a different person. Wow. And, and so that was, you know, that, that's disconcerting. Mm, and And sure. so a family can react to that in, you know, in two different ways. Right. They can either, you know, come right along, which is pretty rare or go, you know, or kind of resist. Um, and part of that resistance, in uh, in the uh, the Screw Tape Letters, which is this book by C.S. Lewis, and it, it's kind of like predicated on like a, a um, mature demon writing letters of advice to his uh, what do you call um, apprentice <laughs> apprentice demon, who is kind of like serving as the uh, the antagonist of a dude's guardian angel. So so the apprentice demon is, like, trying to lead this guy to temptation, right? And so, and, and the, the guy's, you know, despite the demon's best efforts having this big conversion in his life, and he's coming to the church and, you know, st- returning to the faith and all this, you know? And so the, the older demon writes the younger demon, like, you know, at least if you can't get him to stop going to church, and if you can't get the conversion to turn around, well, at least just make him unbearable and, you know, li- like, turn away the rest of his family through his conversion, you know? So... It, it that doesn't end up happening but but it, the, the, i suppose moral of the story is mm. th- there's a lot of pitfalls that can can arise yeah. uh, as this happens but i'm talking a lot you no more. yeah yeah no, okay that's good. yeah
0: i was gonna ask like uh obviously witnessing your brother do that can you like describe that experience for you like what kind of emotions were you feeling were you like resentful towards your brother like here's a guy i did homeschool with for 12 years all of a sudden he's Right. doing something new on me or were right. you kind of like intrigued like oh maybe maybe this is something that yeah that is yeah real.
1: yeah I, I, it's a mix of both i think it was yeah so um at first there was a lot of i was intrigued you know but then there's also just that part of like yeah as, as you said um a, a little kind of I don't know, resentment might be a little bit strong uh for my uh reaction um but but yeah, so it was kind of disconcerting, mm-hmm. I suppose, uh, sure. to say the least, you know. Um, so, so that at least was the case—a little mm-hmm. bit of kind of like confusion. Um, and then, kind of as as it, things continued to to transpire, and, and he started uh, my brother uh, started discerning the priesthood or religious life and all this stuff, you know, it, uh, it that kind, that intrigued me even more, uh, you know, and I was kind of kind of sucked into his path a little bit, you know um but you could you could see in the rest of my family things you know not so so I was kind of maybe right there with Father Henry in some ways you know as as time went on uh you know wanting to learn more and all of that um but the the rest of the family it was maybe not so much uh, especially my mom so i i think oftentimes that's the case when someone goes through a conversion that the different members of the family are going to react really differently, you know, mm. um, and it, and it might not be in the ways you'd anticipate, you know, um, or the one who you might think would do one thing might do a different thing or, mm. or whatever, you know, mm. um, so as, as, things kind of went on though, I ended up, uh, you know, coming into the, uh, in, in college, uh, through study and reading and all of this kind of, you know, being drawn along, uh, following Father Henry's path and, uh, ended up you know, joint being received into the church, and um, so it was Father Fernandez, uh, who I think came last night, right, who right. spoke, uh, who right. brought me into the church, which is great, and uh, then just shortly afterwards, I kind of discerned a, a vocation to the priesthood. I'd been thinking about it, you know, during the whole kind of conversion <laughs> path, and of course my brother was already in seminary, so right. so that kind oh, of, wow. uh, you know, gave me a, a extra, you know, uh, Thing to think about sure. as, it, as it went on
0: but wow yeah I kind of have a question off the cuff here um, yeah so I was reading about uh, Marcus Latrell and okay. his uh, he's a lone survivor guy okay the guy yeah. and, and his brother I think they he had a, a brother who was super close with him yeah and uh, he went in the Navy SEAL and the first time he said he felt this disconnect with his brother was after he went through Hell Week uh-huh. because his brother had experienced something that he had not Right. And so his brother decided, okay, I want to go through Hell Week because I want to get back to that yeah. you know, closeness with my brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you feel that you have like a real closeness with your brother, uh, Father Henry? And uh, could you maybe talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's that's a good that's a good uh, analogy. I like that with uh, the Hell Week and the, the Navy SEALs. Yeah. Uh, seminary isn't quite like Hell Week, but you know, it's, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the the same analogy kind of applies. You know, there are things that that priests uh, understand that that kind of I suppose no one else does, if you will, uh, just through the experience of the priesthood. I think mm-hmm. probably Father yeah. Jacob could relate, and then especially you know if you have uh, a brother, you know, who you grew up with yeah, there's a there's a lot in common, yeah, mm-hmm. which is neat, yeah. yeah, yeah, wow.
0: That's cool. Um, yeah, well, well, yeah. I guess diving more into that, um, you talked a lot about Father Henry um, reading. Um, I was gonna ask, what is what was like the biggest contributor uh, for your conversion to Catholicism? And then, yeah. could you, uh, what were you before? you Yeah, Catholic? yeah.
1: Uh, so I was Presbyterian uh, before becoming Catholic. Um, so kind of a Reformed Calvinist kind of thing. Um, what? What kind of finally brought me into the church uh, was reading the letters of St. Ignatius of Antioch. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when I came to talk about the Eucharist, if folks were there for that, uh, they'd probably remember St. Ignatius of Antioch because uh, he talked about the Eucharist in like the the very first years of the church. So he was uh, the successor of St. Peter as the Bishop of Antioch uh, before, so before Peter went to Rome, he was Bishop in Antioch uh, and I I don't remember or, or maybe we just don't know if there was somebody in between Peter and Ignatius but you know, and it was shortly after Saint Peter was bishop there that Saint Ignatius was bishop there and he certainly uh, would have known uh the apostle John um and uh and and wh- whoever of the the other apostles were uh, you know still around at that point but in the year about the year 100 he was taken to Rome to be martyred and along the way he wrote various letters to the churches he would be passing by and uh, the the letters contain basically the, the tenets of the Catholic faith, uh, the essential bits of the Catholic faith as we know it today. Um, about the Eucharist, about the, the unity and Catholicity of the church, um, about uh, holy orders is a big one. So like the, the three uh, grades of holy order, priest, uh, deacon, or well, bishop, priest, and deacon. Um, so all of those things are contained in the uh, in those letters, and in fact, they're so Catholic that the early reformers like John Calvin had to claim that they were spurious that they were not uh, legitimate letters by this bishop mm. you know they they claimed they were frauds. There's no external evidence to indicate that whatsoever uh, it's wow. simply on the basis of ideology that you'd have to make that argument mm. so anyway it, they they prove as well as we can prove anything historically that the first Christians were Catholics, basically as we are today, um, and and they, you know, they, their liturgy would have looked different in you know the non essentials, and they might have had you know there were non essential things that were different, but all of the essentials, the sacraments, uh, the church hierarchy, the apostolic succession, all of those things were there, you know, right after the apostles. Anyway, so when yeah. I learned that, I was like, well, I mean. Jesus founded the Catholic Church. It's evidently clear. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. reason to be anywhere else. So mm-hmm. so that was, wow. that was it. Wow. Yeah, so great.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Go for no, I just remember, yeah,
1: from your talk, you were
2: explaining how, too, he was making kind of that uh, journey towards Rome as he was getting ready to be martyred, right? Was right. he knew the one. Yeah, yeah. And, like, they were trying to make it a big thing to make fun of him or, you know, to tear down the church, and the whole time he's writing all these letters. Right. It's basically became, like... Uh, He became more and more popular. I don't know how you describe it. but Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It it became like a triumphal procession. That's right. A triumphal procession. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so all these great letters and people just reading them, I'm sure, and being inspired. Because, yeah, he uses that language about, like, don't stop me. Don't stop him. Basically, like I want to be right. ground in the teeth, you of know, the of, lions, the, right. of the yeah. lions to become yeah. like the wheat that becomes the eucharist. And yeah, yeah. He's just such a good writer. It's just right. so powerful. And to think yeah. about that, like yeah, I like yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and I'm supposed to take this back uh, full circle. If you think about Ignatius, like, going to Rome and going to face the lions. Now, like, going home for for Thanksgiving break or Christmas (laughs) break, you know, isn't quite as rough, but but it can kind of, you know, feel like that. At least it did for me as I was converting, you know, because I knew I was going back to a family, which was... you know at least like what they thought and believed was kind of hostile even if they weren't you know so it, it's almost uh, like you're going back to enemy territory even yeah. if even if they're catholics you know right. um which which it, it, you just like the the seriousness with which someone can take the faith right can make them diff, you know just as different from another catholic as you know as an, a non-catholic almost sure. you know yeah. so so that's almost like some thinking about like so that that then your journey home becomes literally a kind of martyrdom, right? Mm, right. Because martyr just means witness, right? Mm. So you're there as a witness to the conversion which you've experienced, right? Yeah. And and so to think that that doesn't involve suffering, mm. being a martyr, you know, is is a little bit short sighted, you know, mm. right? Because it's right. It, it's gonna involve suffering in some way yeah. to testify to the genuineness of the faith that you've received. So. I suppose that would be one thing to think about: is to not be surprised that there's tension, mm. um, you know, with with the family. Of course, the Lord predicted it, uh, as uh, Johnny you mentioned when we started off, right? With the uh, you know, I will divide this, you know, the son again. I've come not to bring uh, peace, but a sword. Um, and then there's the even more explicit gospel uh, from which I think all our reflection about this has to start, um, you know. If anyone who desires to follow me and does not hate father and mother for my sake is not worthy to be my disciple, you know. I mean those are pretty stark words, but th- there's no way around them, you know, that the, the really? Lord <laughs> the Lord said them, you know. Really? So 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 what do we do with those? Of course, he doesn't mean you have to like have passionate ill will toward mm, your parents, sure, you know. Sure. But he means that you have to uh like you reject like who are you really following? Right, right, right. Yeah. You can't serve two masters. You know, right. either either you're going to be a conformist, or with your family, or you're going to you to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now that said, you know, there's the way you serve the Lord is not by you know being a bombastic uh, you know preacher of mm-hmm. the of the gospel. It's by uh, like meek suffering. So uh, mm-hmm. when I was thinking about what I would kind of contribute here, I was thinking about Moses. And how he, when he would come down from the mountain, he would have to veil his face because his face was shining so much. So, like, the people of Israel would be, like, blinded because he had just been speaking with the Lord. Mm. And his face was, like, radiant, right? So, he'd have to, like, put a veil over his face, you know? So, we can, like, kind of (laughs) come off that way. (laughs) Like, we can be, like, too, like... Right, it's so on fire, if you will, but wow. at least apparently with love for the Lord after like a first conversion, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that w- we can like you know actually turn other people away, you know, right. just like Moses with that like radiant right. blinding face, you know. So then, what you do? Well, of course, you you veil your face, right? So <laughs> so what does that look like? And yeah. it it means like not, you know, wearing your conversion on your shirt sleeves, you know. So sure, like spend a lot of time in prayer. or or whatever you need to do but but ultimately it will be um the the meekness of Mm -hmm. of of our lives when we spend time with our family that Mm -hmm. ends up bringing them along with us rather than kind Mm -hmm. of like a bombastic proclamation of things so uh I forget where it is. Do you know, like, what, where Moses is described as, like, the meekest man who ever walked on the earth? Is that in Sirach or something? I don't remember, Do remember where it? it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. It might be Whoa. Hebrews. I can't remember. But he's, yeah, he's described yeah. as very meek. And you wow. you see that as he's, like, talking with the Israelites, you know, like... Mm-hmm there are sometimes joshua's like these dudes are doing that you know can we kill them or something you know and moses is like no no it's fine like you know i wish that every israelite would prophesy or something you know like he's just a very he's a chill guy you know Mm -hmm. right so and that meekness is what why the lord chose him to be the leader of the people of israel not because he was you know a good public speaker or because Mm -hmm. he was courageous or whatever he lacks all of those qualities Mm-hmm. What made him good was his his meekness, you know. Mm. So um, that's a virtue that nobody talks about yeah. these days. It's really and good meekness. I it's think really
0: good. we yeah. talked about meekness a little bit on a podcast. Maybe uh, I remember Jordan Peterson talks about meekness, and I think we sometimes sometimes look at it as weakness. Right. Well he describes it as, um, he said this is one translation: a man who has a sword and knows how to use it, but keeps it sheathed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, right. it's a man who is dangerous, but or or a woman, yeah, who is dangerous, but like chooses not to use that um, through like wisdom and, and right. counsel and knowing and like basically a relationship right. with God. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I don't know. if you know, I think of like
1: knows. guys in the weight room, you know, like skinny guys just starting to lift weights or whatever. You know, you like makes a lot of noise. You know, like the weights are like just like <laughs> throwing stuff down. Like they, you know, like right. let us down. It's like a oh, There's a lot of rattling over there or whatever, you know, like, but a dude who's, like, really strong, like, you can listen to him lift weights and not hear anything, you know, because, like, everything's, the the technique is right, you know, and he's, I mean, I don't, this is a a recording, so you can't tell that I don't lift weights that much, as much as I should, right, but, but nevertheless, I've been in weight room before, so I've I've observed this uh, dynamic occurring, right, so I I think that's, like, yeah, another good analogy for meekness, you know, that, like, quiet strength, you know. Yeah,
2: That reminds me of a talk I heard which just really struck me at one point uh, and it was on this bishop actually giving a talk on um, how to reach out to family how to interact in that in the midst of conversion and all that Um, and I don't remember if he was a convert or if his sister had fallen away from the church but either way his sister was not uh, Catholic and um, he was just making the point of like she knew obviously that he was a Catholic bishop you know so like he mentioned, because someone was asking like, how do you help your family to grow and like to understand coming to the Lord? And he said, you know, one of the best things that I did with my sister recently is over break, I went out to her farm. She lives out west somewhere. And he's like, we rode horses for like three hours, two or three hours together. And he's like, just spending that time, yeah. like being the best brother possible, right? Just working through the relationship mm-hmm. is often a good way to reach family, right? So like being the best brother for him. And he's like, that was actually a huge blessing. Like, just being, um, yeah, being present, you know, showing that love of presence uh, and uh, just doing that. And he was just missing the fruits of that. So, that kind of struck me. Cause sometimes I want to write off, like, oh, the whole presence thing. Like, that's okay. But we realize, like, with family, um, oftentimes conversion is just different than, like, with mm. other people, right? Mm, you know? So, yeah. it's not like, it's a whole different ballgame. And so, what I've learned, at least, not so much from personal experience, but things I've read, which just seems to echo true is. It's often we have to work through the relationship in a family so like we got to be the best son we can the best daughter we can or the best brother or sister um, and then we live that out um, yeah through meekness or obviously you know speaking about the faith at times but um, yeah you know I think about Saint Augustine's mom right just trying to be the best mother like force praying for him fasting but also mm-hmm. like following him to be present like he's kind of kind of escapes. Mm-hmm. You know, North Africa, goes to Italy, yeah. doesn't tell his mom, and she's, like, right behind him, like, oh, I'm just going to stay with you. you yeah, 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 yeah. So that's something that seems to echo so true, I think, with family. Because, yeah. you know, sometimes we want to, uh, you know, convert people. I remember hearing the other example, of sometimes, like, a wife wants to convert her husband, and the problem is she tries to act like his mother, you know, like, tell him what he has to do. <laughs> right. You know, but really, she, too, should probably have that meekness. You know, the Scripture mm-hmm. talks, like, you know, try and be... Obedient to things in times, you know, or just having right. that holy witness that Saint Paul talks about—that a, a wife will help convert her husband. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's just good yeah. to remember those things. The family sometimes we think like we just want to like change the person or yeah. do this kind of thing, right? <clears throat> so Can that I living witness. So,
0: ask the question real quick about that. Either yeah. Father, feel free to answer. I there's definitely like practical kind of hard question here. We want to sh- we want to be that best brother, that best uh, son. Um, but when it comes to like, say if I have a sibling who, uh, doesn't want to get married in the Catholic church, mm-hmm. uh, uh, they're choosing not to do that. And I want to be the best sibling to this person. What would be the move in that circumstance? Should I attend, uh, to support my sister or brother? Or should I refrain back, um, not in like a hatred way, but be out of love too, that I think, uh you Know, I, I love you and I want to support you, but um, I, I, I can't support this decision if it's not um, in the Catholic Church, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's uh, and the problem is compounded because sometimes if it's a brother or sister, you might be asked to be like the best man, right, or the maid of that's honor, tough. right? And in that case, it's it, so it, in Catholic speak, the best man and the maid of honor are the witnesses of the marriage, right? Mm. So, in that case. If it's a Catholic getting married outside the church, it's not a valid marriage right which is a polite way of saying it's not a marriage, which means you would be testifying to the validity of something which is in fact not what it is mm-hmm. so um, if, as, as being the you know the best man or the maid of honor so that's like the, that's a really rough spot yeah. yeah
2: that's one of those things I think like these tough questions or i think also like if uh, a sibling is you know in a relationship with someone like a you know homosexual type relationship or that kind of thing and i think where we could always start is like affirming the good you know because obviously they're just going to it's always easy to like look at the bad or like or, you know why don't you love me or enough to do this but like affirm the good as much as possible you know and so i think of um yeah you know, because oftentimes we'll say, you know, whatever the relationship is, like, this person makes me a better person, or, you know, helps me do this and that, or, you know, we're great friends. and But the idea of, like, okay, well, maybe those things are all true, you know, mm-hmm. and we could affirm, like, good friendships as Catholics. You know, we could affirm, like, yeah, people who support each other. You know, we could affirm people who, uh, yeah, help one another. But then, like, we can't affirm what is not true. And so, like, even if they... Um, So then you could talk about the disagreements part, right? And, like, why you love them enough to hold on to this truth, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But it's good, too, to, like, spend some time just affirming the good, even though they may not listen to it, right, to do what we can Mm -hmm. there. Because it's easy just to only focus on the one thing, and obviously that's kind of what we're drawn to in the conversation. But to just try and slow it down a little bit and affirm what is good about these things and try and help them make the distinction, Mm -hmm. even though it's difficult to see. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good good point it makes me come brings it back kind of to what you were talking about uh father Hoffman about like um the verse unless someone hates his mother and father first Mm -hmm. um then they can follow me and the idea that like there is something greater and all of us and that is the truth of jesus christ Mm -hmm. and that's the ultimate truth that we need to be holding on to um was there a moment in your conversion where obviously you said your mother homeschooled you you you're probably very right. close with your mother and, and yeah, father yeah. and and maybe your other siblings I don't right, know. Right. Um was there a moment where you had to decide okay this this life for Jesus is greater and even at the cost of maybe a relationship or a closer relationship with my mother?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there were several of those. Uh Yeah. Yeah, I mean there and and my mom was is what was and, and is. Uh, fairly, well, I'll, you know, to use uh, Father Jacob's term, you know, uh, affirming the good, she's very committed to her faith, you know, which is Mm -hmm. a great thing. And uh, she was raised Lutheran, and a kind of very, uh, you know, uh, almost like anti-Catholic way, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, and, and that's part of how Protestantism defines itself, as you can in the in the name, you know, right? right. <laughs> right. So, uh, so the the more committed you are, in in some sense, uh, I've discovered, at least, the more committed you are doctrinally, um, and, and in that way, the more common ground I have with you in terms of my own commitment, you know, the more we're going to disagree and fight, you know, which is mm-hmm. a, which is a funny dynamic, but it's the mm-hmm. case, um, you know, a lot of Protestants who who don't who you know who don't care about. Uh, doctrines and morals and that sort of thing you know are just like yeah man whatever like that makes you happy like become catholic you know Mm. oh that makes you happy be a priest you know but the protestants who i really like and respect are the ones who you know who would take me to task you know um so anyway uh so that's that describes my mom right and so yeah there there were several moments when i had to you know it really became a clear decision you know like what what Am I am I choosing to uh, to you know do what my mom wants me to do, or you know am I gonna you know serve the Lord and follow the path that you know follow the truth? Mm. And in that case, um, you, you know, you, in that case, you have to, to follow the the truth, of course, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. Um, and and then following that, that's when the, the meekness comes in, you know. So I mean, there are certain times when we have to be bold and and just and make a decision. Uh, in favor of the Lord, and then, uh, but most of the time, it's the the meekness that that should Mm -hmm. govern us, you know, and that's, and I suppose, in terms of looking back at my own story, um, in in some ways, that's why I uh, started off talking about Father Henry's conversion, uh, because he is way better at being meek than I am, Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, being at home and with the family, Mm -hmm. Um, and so... I, yeah, so he's a better example, and I can see in myself some of the some of the reasons why um, things have not gone as good as they possibly could are my own failings, you know. So this kind of uh, the path of conversion also is a well <laughs> stands the reason is is a call to like continuing conversion, right, yeah. and, and not just right. like now I make a you know I say a rosary every day and I pray you know whatever half an hour every day mm-hmm. and I go to daily mass no like actually now a conversion of the heart you know mm. instead of just the externals yeah. not that those externals are bad those yeah. are great and that's how our hearts are converted of course but yeah um, yeah. Sure. yeah
2: yeah that's so good too yes yeah, thanks for your witness
1: uh yeah it's just
2: so helpful but also um yeah, i think of just the power too like the blessing of you and your brother together because um, i think of also you know being in a parish before i came here you think of You know, the mothers who are always praying for their children, their conversion or them Mm -hmm. to come back to the faith. And I think it's so powerful. Like, so when we do feel maybe some of our students or whoever ostracized from your family or you feel like you don't fit in and you're praying, you're doing what you can. But I think there's great power in being united and praying together. You know, so I think about, you know, mothers who are praying for their sons or daughters, you know, like the power of them coming together and praying for their child, but also the other people's children. I think there's great power in that, too. And so the same, like, if you're feeling isolated as a student or whoever it is, uh, whatever the case may be, just to find those other people who could pray with you and be united in that, I think is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because mm-hmm. you could relate in that, pray for your families together, pray for the other person's family. And, uh, yeah, I think the Lord just uses that. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, I think there there is a temptation to get mad or, like, sad or frustrated yeah. when your family is not doing the things that you know is the truth that you want them to do right um you guys started to touch on it but what is the what should i do instead of getting mad or frustrated about like my family not like accepting the truth um, right. as much as me um is it prayer is there any anything else i could do um, or, like, what's something daily I could do?
1: Yeah, good question. Oh, yes. So I think it starts with how we frame the problem. Mm. You know, we could look at the, the situation as, like, oh, my big bad, you know, mom or dad or whatever, who's being so mean, you know. <laughs> or we could look at the situation as in, you know, I am called to follow the Lord, and if that doesn't end in the cross, then actually I'm not following mm-hmm. the Lord, right? And so then those people who are, you know, being, who are, causing us to suffer are actually the the lord's gifts in our lives mm-hmm. right so with without without the resistance from, that i received from my family i don't know that i would have been as committed to the faith as i am because mm-hmm. i because i had to make a decision and a decision that that cost something you know uh, so actually the lord gives us what we need mm-hmm. and as we're converting what we and we have that kind of first fire of zeal you know what we need is like a bucket of cold water on our heads, you know. <laughs> so, so, it so, it, just practically speaking. But then also, you know, every every person who's you know kind of causing us pain is is somehow working as the instrument of God. Hmm. Um, and, and so, it, it reminds me of this uh, this line from the Chronicles of Narnia. Someone's asking Aslan about. You know someone else who did something wrong, and what happens to them, and how does that go? you know, and Oslan like growls a little bit and he's like, "I only tell you your story, you know, so like whatever our families are doing, you know, whatever other people are doing that might be causing us suffering, you know it we can't know how that's fitting into their life, you know mm-hmm. like you know and that doesn't it's not part of our story except insofar as they're being used by God to bring us closer to him through. Undergoing trial, you know, mm-hmm. so, right. um, so I suppose those two things, you know, remembering that they're God's instruments for our purification, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I only tell you your story, you mm-hmm. know, Th- those things I, I think are good to bear in mind. So, anyway, yeah. that's framing the problem.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good, and that that might be a really good way to close this out. I have one more question, kind of because some people they think that like their family is the greatest good that they have on this earth, which in a sense is, is true. We are formed in our families, but like Jesus in, in that verse, like I think he's trying to get at something greater that like, here's the thing you might care about the most, which is your mother and father. And here's like my truth. And like almost you have to step into that. And you touch on suffering a little bit. Um, could you talk about like, I guess what's worth suffering for? Like what's worth dying for is, um, is Christianity worth it? Um, and like now that you've made that decision to step into it, uh, can you attest to it? Do you think it is worth it? Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, like losing maybe some relationship a little bit.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Because ultimately, like our hearts, it, it, the line from Saint Augustine, "Thou hast made us for Thyself, O Lord," and our hearts are restless until they rest in You, and that's the case. Like you know, we can't find satisfaction in anything else. And if we turn our hearts toward things other than God, not only do we end up destroying our own hearts, but we end up causing those other objects of our devotion to become something that they're not, idols, basically. And we end up ruining them, too. Mm-hmm. You see that in people's lives who reject the Lord. Um, it, and so it's not really love of family. Mm-hmm. It's love of something else mm-hmm. uh, you know, that causes us to to leave off the Lord, genuine love of family causes us to, to hate father and mother for Christ's sake. Um, and it's only following the Lord that there's, that our lives have any meaning or any, uh, any power, any witness, um, you know, any fulfillment. So, yeah, I think that it, it, it's absolutely worth it. It, it has been, uh, in my life, you know, despite all of my weaknesses and imperfections, uh, God made me his priest, you know, <laughs> which is uh, nothing short of a miracle. So, uh, that in itself is a testament to what God can do, uh, you know, through the prayers of many people uh, in, in anyone's life.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, thanks so much for your witness, Father, and thanks for sharing. And
1: yep. yeah, it's so good, too, when
2: we do follow the Lord. Like it calls, as we all know in our lives, you know, falling, it's always calls people on to more, you know, it calls us all on. So,
0: Oh, yeah. yeah Father Meyer came here we were doing push-ups after mass and like even like 10 guys joined in and did push-ups he's like see you do something good everyone else comes along with you you know yeah. and uh <laughs> yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah so that's so awesome well um yeah Father would you mind closing us in a prayer or sure. yeah, can we close that in sure, prayer sure yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit amen oh. Heavenly Father we give you thanks and praise for this day we just commend to you uh, all those who are in our hearts today, those maybe in our families or friends or whoever, uh, which don't understand uh, our faith or uh, just re- those relationships which need healing in our families too. And we pray especially for uh, yeah, all those in our families that, uh, yeah, that they be drawn close to your most sacred heart, Lord Jesus, especially uh, on this Friday as we record this and so those who hear this podcast. And we just commend to you our lives, Lord. May we ever just have the courage to follow you boldly and to live that with great meekness, too. We ask all this in Jesus' holy name, through Mother Mary, as we pray. Hail
1: Mary. Full of, Full of grace, the Lord, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of the thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy, holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners,
2: Lord, now and at the
0: hour of our death.
2: Amen.
1: amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy
2: Spirit. Amen. amen.
0: St. John Paul II. Pray, pray for, pray for us. us. That's right. Yeah. Sheepdogs out. Sheepdogs dogs out. Sheep dogs. Oh. Do it!